Hello everyone, welcome to the first ever D&B Wrestling Podcast. I am Dustin, D&B stands for Dustin and Brittany. Brittany is my fiance, but she is not here at the moment due to circumstances that we cannot control. So, for the time being, I will be doing this podcast on my own. So, the podcast name may change. If it does, I will let you guys know. So that way, if people start listening and I gain a bigger audience and it changes, you guys will know that it's the same one. I, tonight, am going to talk about WrestleMania 34, and I will briefly discuss Hall of Fame and NXT TakeOver. Um, If you guys decide that you want me to, I will do another podcast going deeper into the Hall of Fame and NXT TakeOver discussion, but this podcast right now is mostly about WrestleMania 34 and the things that occurred. I will warn you now that there will be spoilers, Um, so if you have not watched WrestleMania 34 yet, go ahead and shut this podcast off, watch WrestleMania 34, come back, you can listen to the podcast and we can discuss whatever you want to discuss, because I will listen to anybody's opinion, anybody who wants to talk about WrestleMania, anybody who wants to talk about TakeOver, there are certain opinions I may not agree with, but I will listen to everybody's opinion. Uh, First, before I get into the WrestleMania 34 discussion, I will talk about, like I said, the Hall of Fame, and I will talk about TakeOver. Uh, The Hall of Fame this year, I was actually pleasantly surprised by. I wasn't expecting the speeches to, I guess you could say, grip me the way they did. Um, the, the class this year was a solid class. It was, you know, between Jeff Jarrett, Mark Henry, the Dudleys, Goldberg, um, the Warrior Award, of course. I mean, it was a solid class this year. It's just every year when the Hall of Fame happens, I watch it every year, but it just seems like there's always hit and miss for me when it comes to the speeches. I'll like one more than I'll like the other, and there's sometimes when... One will make me want to walk out of the room and go do something else for a few minutes, like the Mr. T speech, for example. Just went on way too long, and it was just something I was not a fan of. But then you have speeches like the Dudley Boys, which was funny and entertaining. And, you know, they told these little stories about, you know, back in the day, and they made it entertaining. And you've also got people who, you know, appreciate the business, like Hillbilly Jim. Um, His speech was probably one of the more sophisticated speeches I've ever heard because of the way he spoke and the way he was very um, articulate about everything that he talked about. It was different because most of the guys, when you see them go up there, you know, they're silly or they act nervous or something like that. And he was very articulate about the way he was. And I liked that. Um, The most awkward one to me, because some people said that Tillbilly Jim seemed awkward or boring, but I don't think his was. I think the one that was awkward to me, and I don't know why, but it seemed like it was maybe Jarrett or Goldberg. They both seemed kind of uncomfortable being up there. Um, I will say that I was very, very happy with Jeff Jarrett discussing his friendship with Owen Hart and then Mark Henry saying that Owen Hart deserved to be in the Hall of Fame because we all know how true that is. We all know. As wrestling fans, if you're listening to this and you've been a wrestling fan for 20 years like I have, you know that Owen Hart deserves to be in that Hall of Fame. And if it wasn't for certain people, he would be in there. 
there so far there's been no repercussions about them talking about Owen Hart, which surprises me because from what I understand, anybody that talks about him gets in trouble. But so far nothing's come of it. But we're not out of WrestleMania weekend yet either. We're we're still in it, so we'll see what happens the next few days and see if you know they get in trouble for it. But yeah, overall I give the Hall of Fame I mean, I'm gonna give it a if I give it anything, I think a three out of five. Um some speeches were better than others. Overall, it was solid. All the speeches were good. Some were just great, and some were good, but I enjoyed all of them. Uh, the next thing I'll discuss shortly is NXT TakeOver New Orleans. NXT is supposed to be the developmental program for wrestling. It's supposed to be where you go before you get to the big time. And to me... The feel of NXT TakeOver New Orleans felt like it was as big as WrestleMania. There were so many people that said that NXT TakeOver New Orleans would not sell out, and it was a solid sellout at the Smoothie King Center. And it was worth the sellout. Like, if I if I would have known what NXT TakeOver New Orleans was going to be or what WrestleMania 34 was going to be for the most part, then I probably would have made the trip to New Orleans. But... There's a few things that stop me from that. Money not just being one of them, but a couple other things. And I'll go into that more for WrestleMania 34. But the start of NXT TakeOver was the six-man ladder match between Velveteen Dream, EC3, Lars Sullivan, Killian Dane, Adam Cole, and... I'm missing somebody. Oh, God. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. Sorry, guys. But it was a, it was a six-man match, and it was incredible. Oh, sorry. Ricochet. Ricochet was number six, and it was incredible. It was a spot fest, as anybody who's a wrestling fan calls it. And a lot of people don't like spot fest as matches, but it was such a good match. There were so many good moments in that match that I can't even describe. Like, you just have to sit down and watch it. Like, it's not very often that I have a wrestling match in any company at all. Make me put down my phone and go, okay, this is a good match to sit down and watch. Because most of the time, when I'm watching WrestleMania or something, I'll be paying attention to it, but I'll be on my phone at the same time. I know we're all guilty of that. I know we're all guilty of doing something else while we're watching wrestling because not everything catches our attention. But that ladder match actually made me put down my phone and actually watch the match because of so many things they had me they had me into it. Um, and from there, everything from the women's match between Ember Moon and Shayna Baszler and the Aleister Black and Almas match and the unsanctioned match between Champa and Gargano, everything about that special was exactly that. It was special. It was it was what I wish wrestling was like every single week. It was what I wish Raw was every Monday. It's what I wish SmackDown was every Monday. And I know that you cannot produce a five-star show or 10 out of 10 show, however you want to put it, every single week. But it was going to be extremely hard for WrestleMania to top NXT TakeOver. And it didn't. It didn't top NXT TakeOver. At least not in my opinion. Some of you guys may disagree with me. Some of you guys may think that it did top TakeOver. And that's fine. That's the reason why I make this podcast. Is why I want to make this podcast and keep making it. So that wrestling fans can have something to listen to. Um, and I know there's a lot of podcasts out there, but I wanted to start my own, but I wanted to start this for people to have something to listen to where they can go to and say, Hey, you know, this is, 
this is my opinion or, you know, I agree with you. Or I disagree with you because I love having wrestling discussions with people because I've been watching it for got 20 years. I mean, my first WrestleMania was WrestleMania 14. I've been to raw a couple times. I've been to WrestleMania once. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that I'm very passionate about. So this is something I want to keep doing. And this is why we're going into the WrestleMania 34 discussion now. Um, and this is why I wanted to make a WrestleMania 34 discussion because I love talking about it. Wrestling is one of my big passions, just like music and movies. Those are three of my big passions. Um, yeah, WrestleMania 34 overall was solid. Um, I will say that I'm going to go through each match briefly. Um, got notes here to where I don't mess anything up. I don't want to go off the rails and just have it all scattered. So I made notes to make sure I don't just go all over the place. Um, I was so shocked that the that WrestleMania was going to be seven hours. Excuse me. Sorry, guys. I was just shocked that it was going to be seven hours, and two hours of it was the pre-show. But the pre-show did not feel like two hours, so I was happy about that. The pre-show consisted of, of course, the panels talking, which I always enjoy seeing the panels um, because I like hearing their opinions. But it had three matches as well. The pre-show had DeAndre the Joint... Giant Memorial Battle Royal, the Cruiserweight Championship between Mustafa Ali and Cedric Alexander, and had the Women's Battle Royal, which was called the Fabulous Moolah Battle Royal. But then, as you guys know, if you've read, which everybody's read everywhere, Fabulous Moolah was known for some very, very bad things back in her day. So it was actually petitioned, and it was changed to just the Women's Battle Royal. Um... The first one that happened was the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. And for it being a named after Andre, it's just not what I was hoping it would be. It's It just feels like being on the pre-show, it just feels like a Raw or SmackDown Battle Royal. Because there's really, I mean, you get a trophy out of it, yeah. You get a trophy out of, you know, that has Andre the Giant on it. That's cool. And you get the privilege of saying, hey, you know, I won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. But it doesn't feel like anything special when it's on the pre-show. Um, Matt Hardy ended up winning this, which I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting it to be Ziggler or uh, Corbin winning for a second time. The reason why I think that Ziggler would have won it is because supposedly, and now there's rumors going around that he didn't sign a contract, but supposedly he had signed a contract, so I thought Ziggler was going to get more out of his contract, but he didn't end up winning. Matt Hardy actually ended up winning by surprising fashion when Bray Wyatt showed back up again and uh, helped him actually win, and they hugged, and I'm guessing this has, of course, something to do with the Ultimate Deletion match, which I'm... Sorry to say I did not watch, but Matt Hardy's Woken or Broken character, whichever one you want to call it, was never. I was just never a fan of it. It was always just too over the top for me. Um, there was one promo he did a few weeks ago where all he did was laugh, and I just I just couldn't get into the character. Um, maybe somebody can flip my opinion on that. Maybe somebody will listen to this and say, hey, you know, maybe you should look at it this way, and maybe I'll like him more. Um, that's why I like listening to people's opinions. Uh, the... Women's Battle Royal was next, which, again, did not feel like anything. It didn't really feel like anything special, honestly. It was. It felt like it was supposed to set up 
Sasha Banks versus Bailey for a future match, maybe at SummerSlam, and that was it. Um, Naomi ended up winning it, and I wasn't sure why she won it. Um, again, Naomi's one of those people that they push her and push her and give her titles, and I'm not sure why. Um, and no, her color of her skin or anything does not have to do with me not liking her, so let's not start a discussion on that, because I know that that's where somebody's going to go with it. it. I just don't... I've never cared for a character, even when she was with um, Brodus Clay, and even when she became a singles wrestler, and when she was women's champion, I just never... I never cared for her. I just... Even with her glow stuff, I just think it's a little too... I just think it's a little too much, and with her winning, it surprised me, but it just didn't feel like... Even with her winning, it just didn't feel like there was anything she was getting out of it to win. There was no title match involved. There was nothing. There was nothing nothing like that involved. Um, and the final match on the pre-show was actually the cruiserweight title match between uh, Mustafa Ali and Cedric Alexander because, as you all know, uh, Enzo had to drop it because he got into some major trouble. And I'll make another podcast about that if anybody wants to discuss that. But usually it was allegations like that you want to keep your opinions to yourself because it just starts things that you do not want to get into with people um yeah the but between mustafa ali and cedric alexander i was actually really uh pleasantly surprised by this match i was um because the cruiserweight division if you've been a wrestling fan as long as i have you know that the cruiserweight division wcw was something of its own it was special. It was something you watched. It was something you looked forward to because you had Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio and La Parca and Jericho. And you had all these people, Malenko. You had all these people going for the Cruiserweight Championship. And it was a special thing watching these talents do what they did. And now it just doesn't feel like what it used to. The Cruiserweight division now doesn't feel like the Cruiserweight division it should. And I'm hoping that changes. But they did put on a good match, though, between Ali and Alexander. Um, Alexander ended up winning the match, which I figured he would only because um, I read an article that Mustafa Ali is actually a cop too, and I did not know that. Um, so I don't know if they're going to put any titles on him with the risk of, you know, him having to leave wrestling for his job or anything like that. So Alexander won it, and me and my fiance both were talking how we were hoping Neville was going to return. That didn't happen. Um, so I don't know if they're still under negotiations with Neville to get him to come back or if he's ever going to come back. I don't know. Um, so we'll just have to see in tomorrow night, Tuesday night, if there's any surprises that happen. Usually, as you guys know, on the Raw after WrestleMania, we get some kind of surprise, so we'll see. Uh, that was it for the pre-show. Um, once that happened, uh, WrestleMania started at 7. Pre-show was, of course, 5 to 7. Um, and then WrestleMania was 7 to about 12, 12.30. Um, first match in the pre, sorry, first match in the main show, sorry, pre-show's over, was the triple threat between Miz, Rollins, and Balor. And this was a very good start to WrestleMania itself. It got off to a quick pace. It got off to showing off three very, very talented people that, that deserve to be held, even, even if it was the main event. All three of those men deserve to be in the main event. A lot of people don't agree that Balor does, but Balor, I, I believe all three of these men. Miz has shown that he has the mic skills and the wrestling ability to be main event. Rollins has the same thing. Balor has the same thing. 
Um, this match was a very, very good start to to the pay-per-view. Like I said, quick-paced. Rollins ended up winning um, with a blackout, which I'm glad they brought that move back. Um, that was only the favorite move of mine. I'm glad they brought that back. I think it's going to lead to a Balor versus Rollins feud, um, probably starting tomorrow night, leading, all, honestly, probably all the way up to SummerSlam. Because, as you know, Miz and Maurice had their baby, so... Um, Miz is going to be gone for a while after tonight. I don't know for how long, but I'm assuming he'll be gone for a while to stay at home with her and the baby to make sure everything's okay. Yeah. Next match was the Raw Women's Championship between Asuka and Charlotte. Um, this match is one I was looking forward to because I'm a big fan of both. Um, I wasn't a fan of them bringing Asuka to the main roster with the streak attached. But it made for, you know, a decent storyline to see kind of like Goldberg was back in the day or kind of like The Undertaker was like, you know, who was going to beat her? Who was going to who was going to do this and who was going to finally dethrone her? And so I was looking forward to that because Charlotte's also a very talented wrestler. You can tell that she got her father's skills as far as, you know, the charisma and as far as the wrestling goes, because she's very good at what she does. It's just natural talent for her. Um, and this was. A very good match between the two. A lot of good back and forth. Um, I was not expecting the ending. I was not expecting WWE to let Charlotte end Oscar's streak. Um, but it happened. Charlotte actually retained the WWE Women's SmackDown Championship. And I wasn't expecting that. What I was expecting to happen was for Oscar to win. And I thought that Carmella was going to come out and cash in. Because I thought that Carmella's... Um, Briefcase expired tonight, but apparently that didn't happen or doesn't happen because she never cashed in. So I'm assuming she still got time to cash it in. Yeah, um, Oscar's streak is over, and so now we can just go back to you know Oscar wrestling this person. If she loses, she loses. There's no big deal about it anymore. Um, yeah, overall solid women's championship match. We'll see, you know, where it goes from here. Um, sorry guys, if I said raw championship i've got it in my notes as raw but it was the smackdown championship if i said that wrong i apologize between oscar and charlotte it was a smackdown women's championship i don't know why i wrote down raw championship um the U next one was the u.s fatal four-way between rude orton mahal and rusev um honestly in this match usually i'm not huge on fatal four-ways so it just seems like there's a lot that happens during fatal four-ways um and i wasn't I was expecting Rusev to win because this is just a dirt sheet, so you can't read everything or you can't believe everything the dirt sheets say. But the other day I was reading something about the dirt sheets about how Rusev, I guess, asked for his release. And they didn't grant him his release because they told him that they were going to do something for him. And so they put him in this fatal four-way match. So I was expecting Rusev to win because I thought that they were going to push Rusev to keep him on the roster because apparently somebody believes in him because instead of releasing him they put him in this match to make him happy um but actually mahal ended up winning and i wasn't expecting that either i was expecting rusev to win to keep him happy and on the roster but i'm assuming that also that it'll be rusev versus mahal from here on out and rusev will get his moment probably at SummerSlam, culminating at SummerSlam, because that's it doesn't make any sense to tell someone that they're going to be in a match to keep them happy, to keep them in their contract, and then turn around and not give them the title. So this is probably leading to something else with Rusev, so we'll see in the next couple months if it actually does lead to something. Um, 
the match after Triple H and or sorry, the match after the Fatal Four Way with Triple H and Stephanie versus Angle and Rousey. It was this was a match that I had been looking forward to um, since it was announced. Actually, I was a little surprised though because. Like I said, again, I read a lot of the dirt sheets. I try to keep up on my WrestleMania and my wrestling news in general, so I go to different dirt sheet sites, and I was reading one about who they originally had as Rousey's partner, and they said that they had The Rock, which The Rock couldn't commit because of Hollywood. Hollywood was afraid he would get hurt. That's fine. Totally understand that. But the second choice, they said, was Batista, and Batista said he was all for it, and then nobody ever called him back. And then they chose Angle as her partner, and nobody ever told Batista that he wasn't doing it. He just had to find out on his own. So I thought that was a little weird. Whether or not that's true, I don't know, but that's just what the rumor is. Um, but this was Rousey's first match in WWE. It was her her debut fight. Not her debut, but her debut fight. Of course, she had been seen at the Royal Rumble and since then. And Rousey did an excellent job. Excellent job tonight. Um, I was very very happy with the way she moved in the ring she didn't she seemed very fluid she didn't seem nervous she didn't seem um she didn't seem trying to think of what the other word would be she just she she worked that ring like she had been there for years so with her signing a five-year contract i'm good i'm looking forward to her career for the next five years i really am um i'm, I'm looking forward to what she does in the ring angle looked good for angle being you know, worried that he was going to hurt himself or something. He actually looked really good in the match. Um, I was kind of surprised that Stephanie and Triple H put over Rousey and Angle, but they did. Because as everybody knows, Triple H doesn't like putting people over because we know that from the Sting match a few years ago. But uh, Angle and Rousey won, and it'll probably lead to a, some kind of rematch at, at SummerSlam. But overall, it was a solid match. Rousey looks good. It looks like she has a promising future in WWE, which is amazing. That's I'm very, very happy for her that, that it's working out for her because I've been a fan of her since UFC, and I'm glad to see her doing something that, she's, that she loves and that she's succeeding in it already. Uh, the next match was the tag team triple threat between the Usos, the New Day, and the Bludgeon Brothers. Wasn't a long match. Um, was really surprised, actually. It was... I didn't didn't time it, of course, but I don't think the match lasted more than 10 minutes. Um, when the Bludgeon Brothers came out, they came out and basically beat the hell out of the New Day and out of the Usos and pretty much dominated the whole match and ended up winning the Tag Team Championships, um, which I'm assuming this is, just like my fiancé said, this is probably going to lead to an Authors of Pain debut, and it'll be Authors of Pain versus the Bludgeon Brothers feud for the next few months. Uh, yeah, it was. There really wasn't much to that match. There's not much to say about it. Um, basically, it was just dominated by the Bludgeon Brothers. They beat the hell out of the other two teams and end up winning. So we'll see where this push goes for the Bludgeon Brothers. I'm not big fans of theirs, but I've been a fan of Harper and Rowan separately. So I'm looking forward to seeing where they go with it. Uh, earlier in the night. Uh, after the SmackDown Women's Championship match was over, a ref came down and told John Cena that The Undertaker was there, which leads to our next thing, which is John Cena versus The Undertaker. Um, for weeks and weeks and weeks, there were promos and promos and promos of John Cena calling out Undertaker and saying, do something, you have no balls, everybody wants you here. You know, Everybody knows those promos. Everybody that watches wrestling saw those promos. 
And so it led to John Cena sitting in the crowd as a fan. Well, after the women's championship match, SmackDown championship match, a ref came out and told John Cena he's here. And everybody knows what they're talking about. And you see John Cena say he's here. And he hops the rail, runs to the back. And just after the SmackDown triple threat match, he comes out. And, you know, he calls out the Undertaker and nothing happens. The lights go out. And you think the Undertaker's coming out. Oh, God, it ends up being Elias. No one wants to walk with Elias. Um, but, yeah, um, Elias trolls everybody because he made the lights go out and everything. And he plays his guitar and does his thing and gets beat up by John Cena. And the lights go out again, and it's actually The Undertaker this time. The Undertaker legitimately showed up and surprised the hell out of me because when he got in the ring, he basically dominated that entire match. And I think that's what shocked me the most is because The Undertaker did not look like The Undertaker that that was fighting Roman Reigns last year that fought Wyatt two years ago, whatever. He looked like The Undertaker that fought Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 25. Like he looked like he had de-aged by like 30 years. I don't know if it was the hip surgery he had or what, but he looked incredible in the ring like he could move like he did 20 years ago it was it was it was great to see and the way he dominated that match was incredible too like I've never seen anybody dominate John Cena like that like I don't even know if John Cena got any offense and if he did it was very short and it's hard to remember because the Undertaker pretty much dominated that whole match and he won and you know did his pose in the middle of the ring and I mean it was it was a short but sweet match that kept Undertaker looking strong, kept John Cena doing whatever he did, because John Cena wants to be part-time anyway to do movies, and possibly Blue's Clues. Um, but yeah, it was a short but sweet match, and I'm glad The Undertaker won. I'm glad it turned out the way it did. It was, I thought, a good build-up. Uh, next match was Sami Zayn versus... Sorry, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens... Versus Shane and Daniel Bryan. This match didn't go the way that I thought it was going to. Honestly. Um, because for weeks there were rumors about Shane McMahon being a heel. And that he was going to turn heel and he was going to turn on Daniel Bryan. So through this whole match that's what I was expecting to happen. Um, the match started with Daniel Bryan being taken out by Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn right away. So he was out of the ring for you know, 10 minutes, so I thought maybe Daniel Bryan was turning on Shane McMahon, and that the dirt sheets were wrong the whole time, um, but Daniel Bryan ends up coming back, Shane and Daniel Bryan wrestle, everything's fine, um, they end up fighting a pretty solid match, um, I'm not big on tag team matches either, but it was a pretty good match, I'm a big fan of all four guys, so it was a good match, um, there was no heel turn by anybody, um, Shane and Daniel Bryan end up winning, so we'll see how this plays out with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn um, getting their jobs back. Because since they lost, they're not supposed to be reinstated. So we'll see what happens. Maybe it'll lead to a heel turn Tuesday night. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Daniel Bryan and Shane won. So as of right now, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are still fired. Decent match. Um, we'll see where it leads in the future as far as storyline goes. Uh, next was the Raw Women's Championship actually, between Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax, and I'm a big fan of both of these women. I was a big fan of AJ Lee before she decided she was going to retire, and that's kind of 
a lot of people are going to hate me for saying this, and I'm sorry if you do, but she reminds me of Alexa Bliss. Or, sorry, Alexa Bliss reminds me of AJ Lee. Just the the attitude and the way she presents herself reminds me of AJ. And I'm a big fan of Alexa, and I'm a big fan of Nia, because Nia being a bigger woman can still wrestle very, very well. She can still move. Um, so I wasn't sure what to expect out of this match, because Nia being you know, 200 pounds heavier than Alexa Bliss and being, you know, a foot taller. I thought it was just going to be a, a one-sided match. But I like the way they booked it because they booked it as uh, Alexa Bliss finding a way to knock Nia Jax down without making it unbelievable. She found a way to, you know, basically chop her down at the knees. I mean, she, you know, literally she kicked her in the leg. She did whatever she could to knock her down and made it believable. They didn't make it to where you're like, oh, you know, Alexa Bliss could never do that. They made her do offensive maneuvers that you knew that were possible for somebody smaller to do. Um, but in the end, Nia Jax ended up winning, which I think she deserves it. Alexa's been the champion for a while now. It's time to give somebody else a run. This will probably lead into a feud between the two going into SummerSlam unless somebody else decides to feud with, with Nia. But it was a good match because I wasn't expecting the the offense from Alexa Bliss and yeah, we'll see where this one goes in the next couple months too. I'm looking forward to the lead up to SummerSlam, just like the road to WrestleMania. I'm looking forward to the road to SummerSlam. Uh, let's see. Next match was SmackDown world title between Nakamura and AJ. Um, this match wasn't nearly as fast paced as I thought it was going to be. I thought that AJ versus Nakamura was going to be as fast paced as like, um, Rollins versus Balor versus Miz was, and it actually wasn't. It was a more slow, methodical match. There were a few, you know, whoa moments, but it was more of a, a wrestling match than it was a, a, a spot fest, whatever you want to call it, um, which I don't mind that. It, But I think it was also being exhausted from the other, you know, how many ever matches there were before that because it was the second to last match of the night. It was a good match. It just wasn't what I was hoping it would be. It wasn't a tear the house down match. Um, so yeah, that I will warn you of that if you haven't watched AJ Styles versus Nakamura yet. It was a good match. It's worth watching, but it wasn't steal the show good. Now what happened after the match was good. Um, what happened after the match was that Nakamura presented AJ with the title, and it seemed like it was out of respect, and then WWE decided to turn Nakamura heel by having him low-blow AJ after he handed him the title. So we'll see where this goes again. Um, this is one of the reasons why I'm looking forward to the road to SummerSlam, because Nakamura as a heel I think will be great. Um, it's a different role for him, so whether he feuds with AJ or whether he feuds with somebody else, I think this will be good for his character, and I think this will be... This will take him down a good path, and I think he'll have his title at WrestleMania. Or, sorry, SummerSlam. Uh, last, second to last match was the Bar versus Strowman. This is where WrestleMania gets... This is where WrestleMania went downhill. Um, thank God it was the last second... Sorry, last match before the last match. I said second to last match on the last one. So, we've been teasing and teasing and teasing for weeks... That Strowman has a partner. Angle tells Strowman he has to have a partner. You have to have a partner for WrestleMania. You have to have a partner you can't fight. Strowman says, okay, I'll find a partner. So for weeks, you know, he does the brain Strowman thing as his twin. He does this and he does that. 
and we get to WrestleMania, and the bar comes out in some weird stage thing. I don't even know what that was. It was some, like, all the entrances were, were kind of different, but they did some weird Mardi Gras float thing. It was weird. Um, but the bar comes out, and then Strowman comes out and says, do you want to know who my partner is? And he says it's going to be somebody in the audience. And he literally goes out to the audience and picks a small child, no more than the age of 12, maybe even less than that, named Nicholas. And he brings Nicholas to the ring. And him and this small child win the Raw Tag Team Championships. I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know storyline-wise where this is going to go. Because you can't have a 10-year-old child be tag team champion. So I'm assuming that tomorrow night, Kurt Angle will strip Strowman of the titles. And something else will happen. They'll, I, he'll have a partner like Lashley or... Joe, because Samoa Joe's ready to come back, or something like that, because this was just ridiculous, having a 10-year-old child as your as your tag team partner, I I don't even know, I don't even have any words for it, like, I love Strowman to death, he's hilarious in what he does, I love him as a wrestler, I think he's a great guy, he's improved, he's, I mean, he's, he's awesome, I love Strowman, I do, all of his catchphrases from I'm not finished with you to you're going to get these hands. I, I think he's great. But this was just a stupid, stupid culmination to to the tag team match and who his partner was. It was just, it felt like a cop-out, and it was just ridiculous. Um, the last match, of course, was Reigns versus Lesnar. And I don't even know where to go with this match without sounding negative through the whole thing. I really don't. Um, it just It was your typical Lesnar match. It was just... Suplex after suplex after F5 after F5 and let's throw somebody over the table or through the table and it was the same damn thing over and over again. I do not want Lesnar as our champion on Raw anymore. I don't want him as champion. I don't even care if Lesnar leaves because we need a champion even if it's Reigns. I don't care for Reigns that much either. When he's with the Shield, he's great. When he's solo, it's different. I don't know why. Can't explain it, but it is. But I would even take Reigns as the champion. At least he would be there to defend it at every pay-per-view. I'm tired of having a champion who is there six times a year, and that's it, and doesn't care about the business at all. Because it seems like Lesnar doesn't care about the business. He cares about the money. And I want a champion who's there for the business, who cares about the business. And, of course, we get your typical Lesnar match where, it's like I said, it's suplex after F5. He bust Reigns open, which I don't know if that was legit or if he was just being careless again like he always is. Um, but Lesnar ends up winning, which means he has re-signed or something with WWE because he still has the title, which I do not like that at all. I don't understand why Lesnar is still the champion. Guys, you need a champion who cares, who cares about the business. I'll be champion. I care more about the business than Lesnar does. I'll be world champion. I'll go out there and get my ass kicked. I don't care. At least I care about the business. But yeah, I mean, it was overall, it was a solid WrestleMania. It was. It was better than I thought it was going to be because the card just looked okay. But it ended up being better than I thought it was going to be. Um, it The last two matches of the night just kind of deflated everything. But overall, I would give it a 3 out of 5 because it was enjoyable to watch. But there's also a couple forgettable things. Um the one thing you want to know about, you always want to do it with WrestleMania, is you always want to remember 
more things than you want to forget more things. And with this WrestleMania, I feel like there's more things to remember than there are to forget. So there are more positives than negatives. But the negatives are big enough to where you're kind of like, really? Did that just happen? You know, like, I don't know. It's hard to describe, but it's it's just one of those things where you just kind of look at it and go, like, why did that just happen? You know, it's... Um, but the last thing I'll talk about, because I was just kind of going through the matches and what I thought of them, was the entrances. Um, the entrances for each wrestler this year didn't seem as big, which was a little strange. Um, like, uh, Triple H and Stephanie, of course, had their big... Their big entrance. They came out on motorcycles, which all the motorcycles looked like they were custom. Charlotte had her own entrance, and so did Alexa. Um, but there were no major entrances this year, which I thought there would be because it was an indoor venue. So I thought that they would give someone a bigger entrance because it's indoors and it didn't get ruined by light like it did at WrestleMania last year. But there really wasn't much this year. It seemed like they were focusing more on matches which is good i mean it's good to focus more on matches than it is on entrances but it just didn't seem like they put as much effort into the entrances they put a lot of effort into that stage i thought the stage was beautiful i love the the way the the stage looked for wrestlemania this year but it just didn't seem like they put as much effort into the entrances um but yeah um like i said overall I give it a three out of five. There was a couple things towards the end of the night that just kind of, instead of it being a four or five out of five, it was a three out of five because of those last few things. Um, just kind of, just kind of put a bad taste in my mouth. Um, but overall, solid WrestleMania. Me and my fiance are trying to go to WrestleMania 35 next year. Um, hopefully, hopefully that's good. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to this first podcast of. The DNB Wrestling Show. I hope you guys enjoyed, and I will be back on Wednesday to do another podcast for a review of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown after WrestleMania. Have a great night, guys.